Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. As a traveler, it's a fact you're going to need to manage your spending in different currencies. You need a service that not only helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, but also does it without the hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This is where WISE comes in. WISE is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. I've been a customer for over a decade. It's been a lifesaver for me as a traveler, a nomad, and now a permanent resident abroad. If you're a traveler who's still using your regular bank, you need to check this out. Join 16 million customers and learn how the WISE account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to WISE for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. This was like a second chance for me. Whatever spiritual being you may believe in, maybe it was that that thing. You know, it gave me like a, a chance to do something I really wanted to do. That was a clip from today's interview with Francis, and he was reflecting there on his near-death experience from a heroin overdose. And you're going to hear what it's like to survive a near-death experience like this and how this led to a life of travel for him. And now he's living overseas, and we, we unpack all of that. Plus, we talk about the art of copywriting, copywriting as a craft, if you're not sure what that is. Uh, or maybe you are, should definitely listen to this interview because I think this is an important skill for everybody to learn, whether you are employed or self-employed. It doesn't matter. Copywriting is huge, and Francis shares his top resource for learning copywriting. We talk about the importance of that and why it should be something that's on your radar as a skill to acquire. Also, we dive into lifestyle business a bit since he is living and working overseas. We, we both talk about our distaste for hustle porn. If you've never heard that term, you're going to learn what that is. Some of the pros and cons of doing a physical world job and then moving that over to a digital one. You can hear about the importance of investing in yourself, why being open to figuring out how to keep your travels going and staying adaptable and flexible is key. How to use teaching English overseas as a bridge to world travel. We talk about using your low points as motivation to do the things you want to do, how quickly something can become a new normal, and so much more. It's all happening in today's show, and that's happening right now. So buckle up, strap in, grab your favorite beverage, kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. Thank you for being here, and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little bit of travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. I like to be surprised. Do you like to be surprised? It's, it's always a, 
a nice feeling. I remember a couple weeks ago, uh, my wife popped up when I was recording a podcast, just brought me a cup of coffee and a little uh, treat. And it was a nice little surprise. I'm only sharing this to say, hey, go surprise somebody today. Here you go. That's, that's going to be the challenge for the day. Go surprise somebody. Surprise and delight them. And uh, that's always a, a nice thing to, to get the unexpected. Isn't that what we love about travel? It's like every time you turn the corner, there's a surprise. Something you've never seen before. Something you've never smelled before. Uh, a feeling maybe you've never had before. It's those little surprises that make every day so interesting on the road, and now a lot of us are at home, we have to find that that feeling of you know, being surprised and seeing things fresh in a new way. It's a good mental exercise. I know it's tough sometimes when you're grounded, not doing a lot of traveling, but stay positive, my friend. Find a way to surprise other people in your life or find a way to be surprised and see things fresh. That was a, a random thought I just had at the top of the show here. Uh, you know, my interview today, uh, you'll hear at the beginning, I, I was quite surprised because I didn't know Francis's background and I didn't know that he had this this story of getting into drugs and how that was a part of his journey towards travel. So actually here in the beginning, it, it kind of, uh, I guess, took me by surprise in some ways. And I was really grateful that he was so generous to, to just be transparent and to just share his story in an honest way and getting to uh, explore that and how going from an overdose and nearly dying rock bottom to a life of travel, a life out on the road about eight months later is is a tremendous tale and I'm really excited to uh, that he shared it and I'm excited for you to hear it and then of course you heard at the top of the show we touch on a lot of other topics uh, including life in Budapest and some travel stuff so I hope you really enjoyed this interview I know I loved chatting with Francis and uh, we're going to get into it in just a second uh, also I want you to stick around after the interview because I do have a shout out to somebody in the community, one of one of the best messages I've ever gotten that really makes me proud, and uh, I have a call to action for you as well after that, because I'm going to ask you for something. You know, this is a community-powered show, so I need your help to, to keep the show going uh, in the right direction and, and all that good stuff. So you know, please uh, keep an ear out for that on the back end. Of course, I'll leave you with a quote that'll uh, send you off on the right way. Now, we're going to get to this interview. Before we do, I just want to quickly remind you, if you haven't signed up over at zerototravel.com yet, then please do so because it's nice to keep in touch off the podcast. You know, I'd love for this to be a two-way conversation. And if you go over and sign up over there, then we can chat. And we have some online workshops, different things coming up. I'm always letting people know what's happening. You get the newsletter as well with some uh, fun links. When I find something interesting... That's usually related to travel. I just bookmark it and share it out with the newsletter. So you can get a bunch of uh, cool resources, articles, tips, access to online events, and all that good stuff for free by signing up over at zero2travel.com. And we are waiting with open arms to welcome you in there. Okay, let's slip and slide now into this interview. Please enjoy my chat with Francis, and I will see you on the other side, my friend.
Francis, you with me? Yeah. How's it going? Man, as I said a few seconds ago, just another day in paradise. <laughs> good good Wednesday. It's, you know, midway through the week. It's been a crazy few weeks. going to be crazy, but I'm happy. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. Uh, why has it been such a crazy few weeks for you? What's going on? Well, I just, yeah, I just onboarded uh, some clients. Just been doing different things and whatnot. Wrote a sales page like last week or two. That was crazy, but no, I mean, I'm happy though. Doing what I love and beautiful place too. Are you hustling and grinding as they say? I'm using air quotes, by the way. Yeah, not really. I'm like, I'm not super into like, the, I'm not really like into like the hustle porn. You know, I think a lot of people in, I guess the online community, they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to grind hard. And I'm like, dude, like, you're not happy, are you? Like, don't, don't tell me this stuff. Like, I'm, try, I'm, try, I'm more of a lifestyle guy as you, as you could probably Yes. Tell. I think we're both on the same page with the lifestyle business thing. Although there are certainly times where I feel like it, it is a bit of a grind and a bit of a hustle. I think that's part of building up your lifestyle business chops, not to fetishize it or anything, but just like sometimes when you're trying to get your head around stuff, you end up maybe working more than you, than you should to get to the point where you can work less, right? That's just, that can happen. But like you said, I mean, it's not about the hustle porn, I think was the word you said. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, not, not into the hustle porn. We like the term side hustle because everybody knows what it means. Like, it's a great way to leave your nine to five job, but we don't like the hustle part of the word, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Especially when it's dangerous, man. I think, we, I think a lot of us have been there. So, yeah, definitely don't glorify it. I'm a little hopped up on coffee right now. I'll be honest with you. What is one of your vices? Everybody's got some vices. Oh, actually, you know, I guess, uh, Let's see. I don't really drink anymore. I used to be, I guess I used to be into like drugs. Um, I guess I didn't put that in my bio, but yeah, I used to be like a heroin addict uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's like 2000, wow. 2012, 2014. I was like hardcore into it. Yeah. So I guess drugs, I mean, like went clean for a little bit. And then at some point in Budapest, I was like back into like doing other things. But now it's like, I don't even drink that much anymore. Like, Sometimes if I go out with my girlfriend, it's like she has a glass of wine and I'm drinking like a Coke Zero. But yeah, man, I guess that's it. Wow. Okay. I mean, well, I should let you know we are recording. This is kind of the show. I hope that's okay with you. Oh, okay. No, no. There's no problem at all. No problem at all. Is it okay? Are you willing to talk about this a bit? Oh, yeah. No problem. No problem. I mean, it was it felt like a long time ago, to be honest. But uh, I mean, yeah, for me, it's like not that big of a deal. But yeah, I'm totally, totally down. By the way, I should introduce you a bit. I am talking to a new friend, Francis Nyan uh, from storiesandcopy.com. If you go to francisnyan.com, that'll direct you to that too. Uh, he's a copywriter. If you haven't heard that term, we will dig into what that's all about and how that can help you, how that can come in handy. Uh, I think in many ways, not just in you know lifestyle business world. I think you're living in Budapest now, right, Francis? So we're going to talk, of course, travel. That was like a way you kind of kickstarted your travel. This is the Zero to Travel podcast, so you know we're going to dig into the travel stuff. I guess this is like sort of a light question, like like what are some of your vices? But then, <laughs> obviously, yeah, tell me, how did you end up getting into heroin? You know, I'm from like the South. I went to university in Mississippi, in Jackson, Mississippi, and I guess we were just really bored. You know, I was in a fraternity, and, um, you know, I came to this university to play lacrosse. 
and which was like my passion. And I stopped because I didn't like the coach and whatnot. And then, you know, I think it was just one of those like identity crisis things where I'm like, if I'm not playing sports and I'm not competitive, then what do I do? And, you know, I was only 18, 19 at the time. And so I was like, you know, I have uh, I have like this, like uh, I had like an uh, on-campus job. And so I was like making money. I wasn't paying rent or anything. I was just living in a fraternity house, you know, just being like an idiot. And then, you know, some people in the, you know, in my, in my circle were, were just kind of, were doing it. We're, we're kind of doing like something. And then I did like, I said, smaller things like the, like the pills here and there. And then eventually, you know, as you do very, uh, you know, basketball diaries esque reckon for a dream esque, just kind of slowly built up into like full blown, like addiction of like, you know, stealing and, you know, just hustling to get money and to, you know, to score. And then eventually I, uh, yeah, I had an overdose in October, 2014. And then was like, you know, I was kind of comatose in a way for like a few days and everything, you know, finally came to and, uh, yeah, they were like, Hey, yeah. And, uh, you know, you almost died. Parker, my roommate at the time, he found you, you're like foaming at the mouth and whatnot, but, um, yeah, you're alive. And so that was actually like, I like started my journey right there. I think, uh, you know, it was like a horrible, horrible thing, but it's also one of those things I think everybody kind of goes through where it's like, you know, you may hit rock bottom and then you kind of want to figure things out. And then that was like the, the start of like, you know, I guess my hero's journey, um, so to speak. It's weird calling myself like, you know, saying it's my hero's journey, but yeah, I guess that's the truth. Yeah, no, but I mean, everybody has their story and, I mean, certainly can't discount this as a major thing that happened in your life. I mean, at that point, was it like a surprise to your family that this was going on? Did they just find out about all this when you OD'd? Uh, yeah, I think it, it became like real. I mean, I went to I went back to Memphis, you know, where I'm originally from to like get clean. And, you know, this is going to sound maybe kind of bad, but like my mom actually works with a lot of like drug addicts and specifically, you know, opiate addicts. She's, she runs a suboxone clinic in, in Memphis. So she deals with like drug addicts like every day. And I think when I came home, she kind of saw me and I was like all dirty and I've lost like 30 pounds since she last saw me and stuff. And, um, I think she must've, she must've known cause I seemed like kind of down and everything. And, uh, um, I guess I really wasn't myself and I was, yeah, I was looking horrible and, you know, I think my sibling saw that I was kind of irritable and all these things. So I guess they knew. Uh, but I, yeah, I think in October when everything finally went down, they were like, okay, well, he's obviously, you know, I guess what we were thinking was going down is actually true. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So at that time when you were kind of in the thick of it and you mentioned like you were trying to hustle to get money and stealing, doing all the things that, you know, sound like the stereotypical things, but I mean, it, that's what kind of happens, I guess, when you're addicted and you don't have money, a lot of money to pay for drugs. You grew up in Memphis, you said. I mean, what was it like growing up where you did? Were you in the suburbs? Were you in the city? Yeah, I was uh, I was mostly in the suburbs. Uh, I think uh, early on in my childhood, I was actually, I guess, in like, I guess the, the badder parts of the suburbs. Um, eventually, we kind of went to more I guess your typical like all American suburbs of like green grass and people playing baseball and soccer and you know, things in the front yard and everything. But um, yeah, I mean, I was I was a bit of a suburb kid, but it was, it was also a bit weird because I was also moving to 
you know, I think the age from like uh, nine to 14, I went to like three, four different schools um, and everything. So it was, it was kind of like, I was, I got used to change and being into like different places and kind of like, you know, restarting, you know, every year in a way, you know, as much as like a 12 year old could restart, you know, which is essentially just making friends and, you know, finding the school bus. It's a huge deal when you're 12 and you like leave your friends and then you have to make all new friends and you're the new kid in school. I never had to do that. I, I always imagined that would be very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely was, especially you know, it's funny when you say 12. Cause I remember being like, uh, yeah, 12 years old and just really having such a good time in like seventh grade. And I was like, oh, I finally have all these friends and everything. And uh, yeah, I mean, my family had to move because, you know, uh, we were, I had like two younger brothers and they were growing and they wanted their own rooms and, um, you know, my family was doing really well. So we wanted to kind of go into just a different, you know, part of Memphis and everything. But, uh, yeah, I remember kind of leaving, you know, those friends behind and just being super sad and being like, oh man, I really wish that, uh, you know, we could keep in touch and everything. You know, this is before I didn't even have like a MySpace, you know, I mean, I'm 28 years old. I think MySpace and stuff was cool around this time. And I didn't even have any of that. So it was like, yeah, this is like goodbye. And I, yeah, I think I kind of like struck a chord with me and being like, um, you know, just uh, getting used to change like all the time. Yeah, which isn't a bad thing, right? Because that's life is change. I mean, life is constant change. The, the less you can kind of try to hold on to things and just let the change happen, I think it's much easier for me personally to go through life that way because it's just tough to make big changes. I mean, certainly getting off drugs is a big change. I was just asking where you were growing up just to circle back to that because in that space, you must have been kind of getting into some of like the real underbelly of some places and around some pretty, shall we say, interesting characters <laughs> yeah. that you probably wouldn't have encountered if you were just kind of living your normal life in the suburbs in, uh, in Memphis. What was that experience like just kind of going through that? Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely kind of, you know, looking back at it now, it's like a movie, you know, it's like the first image of my head is like me, like, uh, you know, celebrating finally being in this fraternity and everything like that. And then there's like this montage. And then all of a sudden I think of myself in like a gas station in Jackson, Mississippi, trying to, you know, with this guy who has like a gun and everything and he's not pointing it at me, but I know he has one and he's like, I'm hoping I have enough money to score. And it was like scary. I mean, it's scary, but then you know, eventually it's like, it's, it's weird how, how normal it can, it can be like really fast. Like you can still be scared, but then it's like that fear, you know, kind of becomes, you know, you kind of get accustomed to it. I, you know, it's similar to like when you travel, I suppose, and you're kind of in like a strange place. It's like, you know, you still have like a little bit of, uh, of fear in your head. It's exciting. Yeah. And I don't think what I was doing was exciting. I was just trying to, yeah, I was trying to get drugs and whatnot. But I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely scary. I mean, I definitely, you know, remember a lot of the people who I saw and all the things that, I, you know, the things I did see and things like that. I mean, it uh, has affected me, but I mean, I also use it as like my kind of motivation to to get where I am now and where I plan on going. So, yeah, I mean, I can imagine that would be part of the appeal too. Like you mentioned, kind of, I guess, for lack of a better term, like the adventure of it, kind of not knowing how things are going to go down, what's going to happen. I mean, you're kind of living life on the edge in a different way that 
you know, you wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't be doing in the suburbs or if you were living the traditional college. And that's not a, that is not a uh, endorsement for, you know, getting into drugs. It's just an observation. As travelers, I think we, we like that newness and that adventure, but that's maybe a healthier version <laughs> of, uh, of that, you know, getting, getting to experience that. Coming out of this, we're going to call it a near-death experience. Do you remember anything about that? Did you like float up into some lights or anything? Or was it just like you were out and then you came to? Yeah, no, I, I remember a lot of it. I still think about it actually all the time. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember just feeling like a sense of hopelessness. And it was very hazy. And I, you know, I, I had a lot of images, things going on in my head. Like I, uh, I remember my obituary was being read to me. Uh, which is weird because I still remember it being completely wrong because it was like, and I was like 22 at the time and it was like Francis nine and 24 Boston, you know, Baltimore, Maryland. And I'm like, I've never even been to Baltimore. Why is it saying that? You were already, you were already editing copy. Yeah, exactly. Like (laughs) I was like, what's going on here? You definitely wrote that wrong. It's the wrong, wrong demographic. But I mean, yeah, I, you know, it was just like, a lot of it was like very cartoonish, but like scary. It was like, you know, seeing people with no faces or, you know, it was like uh, a lot of like kind of weird, like religious things were going on. And I'm not I'm not very religious like at all. Yeah. And I had like super vivid dreams for like uh, weeks on after that, after I kind of you know, I woke up and everything. So, um, yeah, it was super crazy. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the US Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. 
So all of that was happening like before you sort of passed out? Yeah, I think it was happening like at, during during I passed out, I guess. I mean, I don't remember me actually falling down or anything. It was, uh, I think I was by myself, which was like even scarier. But I mean, um, yeah, I mean, that, that was kind of before I woke up. What kind of beliefs do you have about that? Because you say you think about that a lot. Do you think that that was just a consequence of the drugs in your system? Or do you think there was some spiritual element to that? Like, I'm just curious what you, when you reflect on that, because you said you often do, what does that mean? Like, how do you reflect on it? Uh, I kind of see it as a, as a sign. Um, yeah, I'm not going to call it uh, any name, but you know, I kind of see it as like, you know, this was like a second chance for me. Um, whatever spiritual being you may believe in, maybe it was that, that thing, uh, you know, it gave me like a, a chance to do something I really wanted to do. And I, even before that, even when I was like doing drugs, I still had like aspirations of traveling, you know, the world and doing things. I just, I just had a really bad habit. So, um, I mean, yeah, I think there was, I take it as a way of, uh, you know, I was given a ch- second chance and decided to run with it. And of course it was still kind of a, a slow journey getting out of that. But yeah. Was the other side of that as you were recovering from that, was there like a, a shift in your mindset that was profound in some way where you were like, I am committing to this, to this new path and seeing where it takes me? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I wouldn't say I was, I was thinking super long term. It was more like, uh, I, I want to travel. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Um, and I guess the mindset shift was, it was very small. It was more like, but I was, it was relief. It was actually more relief because I wanted to stop. I just couldn't, you know, I'm hooked. So I was hooked. So I wanted to stop. So I was just relieved, you know, at the end of it, it was like, okay, so I'm not going to get, you know, withdrawals or anything. I'm not going to get sick. Um, I'm not going to spend all my money. So what do I want to do? You know, and I think that's, I, I, I always knew what I wanted to do. So then that kind of just became my focus. By that, what did you always, what have you always wanted to do? Yeah, I wanted to travel, man. You know, it's one of the reasons why we're talking here. We both, <laughs> we both love traveling, you know? So I remember yeah. I was, uh, I had friends who, who they were thinking about, you know, teaching English abroad and that at that point, you know, this is 2014. That was the only way I knew how to like, to travel, to live in another country, you know, as an American, like legally, I didn't even know about expat life or digital nomads or anything like that. I was thinking, you know, they went, they were talking about going to Costa Rica. I want to go to Europe. And so that's kind of how it all started. I mean, I started kind of remembering Googling International TEFL Academy and like looking at their prices on like how to get certified and things like that. But yeah, that's kind of when the journey started. So you didn't go back to school and finish school. You just decided I'm going to travel. Yeah, yeah. I was like, um, you know, I did my research and um, a lot of the forums were like, if you have a certification, then you should be fine getting a job in, you know, Southeast Asia or, you know, somewhere or maybe up to It's It was difficult then. I'm sure it's still difficult now to get a teaching job uh, in Europe. But um, yeah, I mean... It was, um, yeah, that's kind of just how it started. I mean, I just wanted to do that. This can be a great bridge for people, I think, for moving overseas because you you kind of have everything built in, right? Like if, you're te- if you decide you don't want to do the teaching English thing and you're a native speaker, you get the certificate. It's not very expensive, I don't think, relatively speaking. Do you remember how much you paid for the TEFL? Like, 
certificate? I did like the 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 in home thing, which was like six months of work, including like the practicum, and I think you know, I think it was maybe almost a thousand dollars. I'm not sure. Maybe it's based out of Chicago, but I think it's. Yeah, there's a, we've done a podcast on this, so we, we don't have to dive super deep on teaching English abroad. You can just go to Zero to Travel and search and find some stuff. The TEFL certificate is sort of the one that gives you the ability to find jobs. So then you you can find a job and you can make money and you can live overseas and you can kind of be like, all right. A lot of people, I know a lot of people go to Korea. That's a popular place in Asia. You went to Budapest. Is that right? Actually, my first one was, at, was, uh, was Spain in oh. 2015 in Barcelona. Really? Um, yeah. So like my whole thing was like, you know, I want to go to Europe and everything. And it was funny. Like I forgot which company it was, but it was English first or something. And I just wanted to say, get a yes from, from someone. So, you know, I was applying, you know, 50, 60, 70 places. And this, I think it's a company called English first or something. They offered me a position in like middle of nowhere, Russia. Um, and like, I was like so excited that I got a yes. And I was like, I was even talking to my mom. I was like, mom, I think I'm going to do it. She's like, where are you going to go? And I was like, this, like, look, it starts with an A. I can't pronounce it. I'm going to Siberia. Yeah. I was like, essentially (laughs) Siberia or something. And then she's like, no, just like, wait, don't say yes to the first thing. And, um, so yeah, then I, I just applied, found a company that was doing, that had a program, you know, in, in, in Spain. I applied, did a, like two interviews, traveled to like Washington D.C. I think, and th- for like my last interview or something, and um, yeah, and then got the offer, and that was like eight months after my overdose, so I was like freaking out. I was like, man, I was like a junkie like a year ago. Now I'm at the, I'm looking at flights to go to Barcelona. Pretty, my mind is blown. How did you feel when you landed there that day, man? Oh man, it was, it was, it was surreal. It was surreal. So, you know, I, I decided to live with the host family for the first few months. Um, and then, yeah, it was just, I just remember getting off that plane and, you know, I went to Europe before prior, um, like before I got super into drugs in university. And so I just remember thinking like, this is crazy. Like, you know, I am healthy. Like, this is the healthiest I've ever been because I was working out and all these things. And I'm, like, terrified. I was, like, terrified. It was mostly, like, mostly, like, I'm scared or, like, excited or, you know, um, I forgot. You know, I don't know which emotion was, like, leading. But I I just remember just thinking, okay, this is about to be some crazy journey. um, And I have no idea what to expect. I have no idea what to expect. But I was all in. You know, I was excited. I was excited. Was that your, like your real first experience abroad or had you traveled before at all growing up? Yeah. Well, I mean, let's see. I went to like the, I'm Filipino, Filipino American. So I went to the Philippines like a few times, but I was like 15. So, you know, I was still eating at like McDonald's or whatever. And then I went like one month to like, to, I went one month to Germany and like Italy. Okay. So you'd been out of the country. You kind of experienced a little bit. Oh yeah. Out of yeah, the country yeah. experience, yeah. I like the taste of it, so I wanted like the whole plate, you know. And I thought this was <laughs> it, and yeah, it was just, uh, yeah. I mean, I just getting off that plane, I was just like, this is crazy. You know, I don't even speak Spanish, and this is a Catalan family. I've been trying to learn Spanish. They speak Catalan. I'm such an idiot, you know. But oh man, it's so crazy to think about. So that was five years ago. About I mean, have you been traveling and living abroad since then, or have you spent time back home? Yeah, I've been pretty much here um, in Europe ever since then, ever since 2015. 
And you're like, I'm not going back. Uh-uh. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going back, really. I mean, I went back home to Memphis for like two months at one point. Um, I think in my in the transition between Spain and and Budapest, and um, but you know, I've never I never really had the the feeling of like, oh, I want to I want to go back to the states and live there or you know find a job back home or anything like that. It was more like. You know, if I can like work twenty hours a week teaching English with like the cutest kids in the world, I, I think this is a good life. Because you know, I was in Budapest as a when I was in Budapest, I was a kindergarten teacher. So you know, they were all like four years old, could couldn't even speak English, and I just thought they were like absolutely adorable. And I was like, I guess I could do this my whole life. You I know, mean, sounds fun, seems fun, um, but yeah, man, that was uh, I guess. Teaching, yeah, teaching is definitely a good way for anyone to like, if they're interested, just to dive in. Yeah, so give give me the chronology of the last five years. Like, you don't have to go into every month, but like you were in Spain for how long, and then you went to Budapest, and then what after? Like, what was the kind of? Yeah, let's yeah. see. 2015, August 2015, I moved to Barcelona, and I spent one year there. And my whole plan was to do like five countries in five years or something. So then. My year ended there, went went home back to Memphis and was just trying to look for another place to go. And then, uh, yeah, I was actually going to move to Hong Kong because I got a company, I think, called Chatteris or something. And they were like, sign the contract and your spot saved. And I was like, all right, I'm going to sign it in like a few days. Um, but then I found this this company in, in, in Hungary that was hiring teachers in Budapest. So I applied. They... We're super responsive. I think they responded back to me within like two hours. They're like, let's book a call tomorrow. So I booked the call and then spoke with like the head of the program and then spoke with the head of like the kindergarten. And she was like, yeah, we love you. You, we can put up the contract and uh, can you get a sign within three days? And I just had like a weird like gut feeling of like, okay, I want to do this instead, not Hong Kong. And then, um, yeah, signed it, then moved to Budapest about three or four weeks later. And yeah, that was 2016. And I've been here ever since. I stopped teaching around January 2018, or I went, I went part-time January 2018 to start, to start writing copy. Um, and a little bit before that, I was just getting tired of the whole teaching thing and um, was trying to figure out how to make money online. Didn't even know it was like a business or anything. I just wanted more independence, wanted to travel more. And um, kind of looked up everything, kind of fell upon like SEO consultant, social media, marketing, and blog writer and all these things. And then around December 2017, I met a young German guy. He was like 20 years old at the time at a meetup here in Budapest. And he was like, yeah, man, I, um, I, I write copy. You know, I, I asked him what he was doing, being so young, and he was traveling, going here and there. And he said, you know, he was a freelance copywriter. I had no idea, you know, what the hell that was. I thought he was like a lawyer because of like copyright law. And I was like, oh, that sounds complicated. You must have gone to like school for that. And uh, he's like, no, man, I just I write like uh, I sell things with my words in text. And I thought that was pretty interesting because I, I wrote some stuff in the past, like more like journalistic reporter type things. And I was intrigued. And he... We, we kept in touch and he sent me a bunch of resources like a few days later and then I was hooked and I didn't even have a laptop at that time. So like this whole like laptop lifestyle thing wasn't even real. I had like, I had like, I, I got like my last full-time paycheck from 
the teaching job and I took, I bought like, uh, like the world's worst, like 11 inch laptop that off like Facebook marketplace that, you know, the charger was horrible. I needed to be propped up by like a coffee mug to work. And like, it only worked like, it only worked like 20 minutes a day. So, so I mean, but then I just started. That makes like, you efficient at writing copy, right? Oh yeah. You're like, I got 20 minutes to bang this out. Exactly. I think that's one of the reasons why I write so fast nowadays because I had that horrible like 11 inch laptop. But yeah, and then that that just kind of started everything. It's kind of snowballed into you know what it is now, which is you know working with a lot of amazing businesses, you know six seven figure companies, e commerce brands, YouTubers, things like that. So yeah, I think that that covers it. Thanks. Yeah, we're gonna get into what copywriting is and how it can help you, the listener. Uh, just probably in a lot of everyday things, whether you're trying to work for yourself or not, you know, copywriting is a good thing to know. Uh, so we can dig into that. I, I Before we do, I kind of wanted to, and we are going to get to a lot of the travel questions too, because I want to get some of your recommendations and hear some of your travel stories. You know, something that you just said was with the Budapest job, you just had like a gut feeling. Some people might call that intuition. Is that something that's a big part of your decision-making process, generally speaking? And if so, how do you tap into that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just a feeling, man. You know, it was, uh, I remember kind of speaking with you know, the head of the kindergarten at that time, and I just liked her. And there was something about it that I was like, I think that I think I'm gonna like this more. And for me, this is very intriguing. And I didn't think it was gonna be this big, beautiful adventure that it's been now. And I didn't even think Budapest was even gonna be that great. I, when they said Budapest, I thought, I was like, oh, I'm excited to go to Romania. You know, I was thinking of like Bucharest, you know, and I didn't even Google, I didn't even Google, I didn't even look at Google images of Budapest. I was like, all right, communist style blockhouses. I'm kind of excited for that. That's going to be insane. Like it's going to be nuts. Like it's going to be middle of nowhere, central Europe. Sounds like you're just up for like, you're just up for something different, right? Yeah. I was like, I'm up for something different. Like I'm, I'm ready to trade, you know, Barcelona beach for, you know, communist style blockhouses. Like that's going to be crazy. <laughs> Um, not that at all, right? <laughs> not, not that at all. It's like this, it's, you know, it's beautiful here and, and everything, but yeah, it was just a, it's just a feeling, you know, I, I tap into that and it's kind of, I didn't know, I didn't know it back then, but nowadays it's more like if, uh, if like, I guess the, my energy kind of changes, um, within me not to go you know, super woo woo, but it's like, if I start to feel something, you know, in my head or in my chest or something that says, um, you know, doesn't even have to say anything immediately. I just kind of sit and think about that feeling. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's led me to staying here for, you know, four years now. And, you know, after teaching, it wasn't difficult. It wasn't easy to stay here. You know, I could have easily just been a true digital nomad going from place to place, slow traveling or fast traveling. Um, but, you know, I did the whole like immigration process of getting my residency permit and everything and kind of dealing with the bureaucracy. But it's one of those things where like, if you have that, that feeling in your gut, then you're just going to follow it. I mean, nowadays it's, I still feel it with certain things and I kind of just sit and think about it more. Sometimes it takes me two minutes to understand what it's saying. And sometimes it takes me like two months or more. So I like your idea of just kind of sitting with it, not like sitting with what's going on with your head, but sitting with what's going on like in your heart and your, in your gut, in your body, just being with that and seeing what that means. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that I've 
I think recently, when I mean recently, I mean really like six, seven months in, like six, seven months ago where I'm like, okay, I have this feeling. It's actually saying something to me. Um, and it's very powerful. And it's, I've always realized, you know, I've realized now that if I just follow it, then I'm actually going to have like longer term happiness than, um, cause a lot of times it's not like an impulsive feeling. It's more like, you know, I want to do this and I kind of realize that it's going to take a long time. Like in 2018, after um, I left, you know, I left Budapest for like a few months again, and because um, I needed to do some things for work, because I finally had like this big client, um, which had been kind of traveling a little bit. I need to be based in the states because they had events in the states, and I was thinking, um, you know, I guess I could go anywhere in the whole world. I mean, this job pays well. I don't even have to spend that much time on it. I want a pretty nice retainer. I'm meeting some cool people like with it and doing some cool things. Um, you know, you know, what do I want to do? And then like that gut feeling came in was like, go back to Budapest. And uh, it was one of the things where I was like, oh man, if I go back to Budapest and I do have to, you know, deal with the tax authorities and do the paperwork and get everything translated from Hungarian to English and probably pay someone for that and then get a lawyer. But because of that gut feeling, it's like, okay, well, this is probably going to lead me to like something better to, you know, longer, you know, long-term happiness, which it has, you know, I'm, I'm really happy right now. So I think, yeah, follow that gut feeling, tap into that. Anyone who's, re- who's like listening to this, like there's something in you that's telling you something like don't ignore it, explore that. Yeah. Super powerful. I mean, step one is just acknowledging that that's a thing. You have to acknowledge that that is a, a truth. Uh, so then you can explore it. Right. If you don't acknowledge that as a thing that could be a way to make decisions with your body instead of your mind, then you don't really give yourself a chance to explore it. Just to keep it kind of wide open for everybody's own interpretation. Explore it how you want and you have explored it, I'm sure. I'm talking to you, the listener, in your own ways in your life. I think it's always a fun thing to talk about because I think it's a very underutilized skill would be the wrong word. Well, you're a copywriter. You give me the right word. It's an un- underutilized technique, no? Technique, method, method, method of finding the next step. I think there's probably more words that need to be used. Yeah, it's super powerful. It can get put to the back burner because people can file it into the woo-woo category, right? Like even kind of prefaced it with that. I don't know. I'm just speaking for myself here, but I challenge you to not do that because I've found uh, the same experience as you, Francis. It's a... Uh, it's been a super powerful thing when it's when I'm paying attention and listening to it. The kindergarten thing sounds awesome. I have two small kids and they are so much fun. Like my daughter's four and a half now. My son's a little over two and so cute, so fun. Like I, I know I'm biased, but you said it yourself. It sounds like you get some joy around being around kids and just how sweet they can be. It is a big change. And I, I know this because I did it as well because wanting more freedom, wanting to have that and and then taking a job that you're doing, which like in your case, it was working at the kindergarten, seeing cute kids every day, being a part of that environment. For me, it was like working events and being around people and all that stuff and deciding to work online where it's very much like this. Look, like I'm in a little booth in my co-working space in front of a laptop. Like, you know, we're having a conversation. So this is a little bit different. That's why I love podcasting. A lot of your work might be more like, you know, in a room, you're solitary and you're just like, writing and you're doing creative work, but everything has pros and cons, right? You're 
you're losing a lot of the social elements. You're not going to like a place where, you know, you get to interact with these kids every day. And I know sometimes that any job can get old. So that's part of it. I guess what I'm getting at here is just because you get more freedom and you start a lifestyle business like you have doesn't necessarily mean there aren't challenges. And I think one of those challenges can be the lifestyle change in and of itself for like the job going from being around people in your case to, to just being like solitary. So were you worried about that? Like, how has that been for you? Yeah. I mean, I really wasn't worried about it. I mean, at first I was just extremely excited to do this. I mean, I thought, you know, writing copy was something that, you know, I just like, I just loved it from the beginning. There was something about, you know, learning about different cultures different pain points and desires of like of a client or customer I thought was cool I think that kind of taps into me like uh like my anthropological side I studied anthropology in university so I really like that and like the writing side so I was really just focused on this is so different this is so fun this is so cool um and then I think we're kind of like following your curiosity in a way exactly exactly and then I think um you know I was thinking about something how uh the head of the kindergarten, when I told her that I wanted to leave, you know, she forgot the conversation we were having, but she said something that when she was teaching, it was her vocation that it was like, um, it's like she, she knows that there's some parts of the job that I don't like and that she doesn't like, but for her, she loves it because it's her vocation. For me, uh, I, I think what I do is write a copy, and, you know, managing emails, uh, you know, email lists and monetizing them as much, you know, as lame as that may sound. It's like, it's like my vocation, you know, it's, it's a little bit difficult, of course, to be so solitary sometimes. I mean, um, I think the last like, two or three weeks, the only people I've really spoken to is like my girlfriend who is like downstairs, like right now. And like, well, I actually saw some friends the other day, but even then it was like, you know, I didn't see them for several weeks at a time. I mean, for me, it's, I'm tapping into, I guess, something more like, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't, ha- you know, I, I don't have to do it. I get to do it. And for me, it's like super exciting. So still, still now. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press, but I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks, so they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever zero to travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me, 
Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Cool. Uh, so vocation, just so we can use a dictionary definition, I looked it up just now. A strong feeling of suitability for a particular career or occupation. And that is a, a different way to kind of frame up whatever it is that you're going to do next. It sounds like for you, the kindergarten thing, it was like fun and it was a job, but it wasn't necessarily your vocation as opposed to this where you're following your curiosity and you're like geeking out on it. I mean, well, I think that's a good thing. If you're geeking out on something, it's like that means A, you're following your curiosity and B, I mean, maybe it'll take you somewhere, right? In your case, it took you to copywriting. Uh, let's talk about copywriting. You want to explain to people what it is? Yeah, copywriting is essentially writing, is essentially persuasive writing to sell our to sell a particular product or service. Um, and so I think when most people think of like copywriting, at least nowadays, they probably think of Mad Men and like catchy slogans. Um, you know, I'm loving it by McDonald's or Just Do It by Nike. You know, those are creative copywriters, uh, creative copy. Um, but I'm more into the direct response. So uh, direct response copywriting, which you know, if there's a product or a service, then it's not so much brand awareness like a creative copywriter. It's more like I want you to buy this product now or to take an action like immediately. Um, and so I guess I, I think in a in a uh, yeah I think in a nutshell that should be that should be, that that explains it. I'm sure there's a copywriter right now who's like listening to this and he's like. This dude's an idiot. He can't even explain what copywriting really is. <laughs> no, I think you explained it. I mean, and I, I, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is to kind of introduce what it is to people because I do think it's an important... I think it's fun. I like to geek out on it a bit, but I also think it's it can be a very important skill. Like when you said sell a product or service or take an action or get somebody to take an action... You know, think about that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be running your business. Like maybe you're trying to get somebody to take the action of calling you back for an interview for your next job or take the action of like getting back in touch. So you get a job interview in the first place. You know, there are a lot of different ways in which being able to write good, powerful, persuasive email copy or web copy or wherever you put it can help you. You have a better chance of getting somebody to take the action that maybe you want them to take. And I say that in a not like in a controlling way, but in like, a, hey, like when there are certain points, you know, if you're going for a job, you want to get the job interview. If you're selling something for your business, uh, you want to impact a lot of people. The only way to impact them is to get them your product or service. So I, mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I think it can come in handy for pretty much anybody. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I've used copywriting to land, uh, you know, certain freelance gigs. I used copy to get on this podcast when I sent you that super cold email, you know, and you know, a lot of, a lot of the things that I, I used in my regular like, client work, I used in that, that email. And, you know, it was everything about being personalized to understanding your audience and how I can benefit you and the people who listen to you. Um, and, you know, trying to, show that I have enough value to give to where you think, okay, I'm going to reply to this guy's email and say, yes, let's do it. And uh, I'm pretty sure that's, I think that's what you said. You replied back and you were like, oh, this sounds fun. Book a call now. And I was like, oh, all right, that was great. You know? And um, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's important. I think for anyone, you know, even when you have a, if you're just looking for a job and you need to write a cover letter, knowing some of those really good, I guess, basic 
even cop, you know, even basic copywriting practices. I think that's going to be very helpful. At the end of the day, it's just persuasion and then making yourself uh, look good. You know, it was a very good email, and I don't take too many people on the show that uh, just email me cold like that. So I'm giving you props for your for your mad copywriting skills. The thing was, you I knew you were going to provide value to the audience. That's already the big barrier for me because it's not about me. This show is about the community that listens. So it's like when people are getting in touch, it's like, well, how are you going to provide value to the audience and is that going to be a fit? If you want to share a couple good resources and or books, if this is hitting anybody as far as like them being interested, then you can give us some things to check out. Really, I think one of the best places that you can just learn to write copy is go to YouTube and search how to write good copy. And I know that sounds like super basic, but... You know, there's one thing that I've invested, like, I don't even know, man, like definitely like more than, you know, probably like 10 to $20,000 on like my own self-education on writing copy and everything like this. And it's like, you know, if you understand the basics and you can just practice those over and over and over and over again, then, you know, that's a good place to start. And, you know, I guess some of the books that, you know, I read that you know that helped me were you know joe vitale's uh, hypnotic copywriting that was a big one um the ad week copywriting handbook by joe sugarman was one um and i also since i'm an email copywriter i follow a lot of like other people who are email copywriters and i just follow their email lists and i read other content i read their promotions um if i can find like an old sales letter you know you can just search up on Google, like uh, best sales letters of all time, then just you know reading that and understanding why uh, you know they perform so well and why they might resonate with you if you read them, then you know that's a good that's a good place to start. What advice do you give people who want to start a business like you have, whether it's copywriting or something else, where you're like, hey, I'm in a thing, but I want to work for my laptop so I can travel and have more freedom? Yeah, I would think I would say definitely just be patient. I mean. It's, it takes a while. You know, I think in my two years I've scaled up pretty fast and I think that's cause I, I went all in, um, but it, it didn't feel very fast. You know, I think, uh, in my cold email to you, I wrote how I was still living in my like crummy, like Budapest apartment, like scrapping up egg and bread money and things like that. And it's like, it's, it's be patient and just to say yes to things, you know, it's, you want to get experience. You want to see what you like and what you don't like. And if you just say yes and you open yourself up to these experiences, then you're going to understand, you know, what you're, what you're into and you can just focus on that. And that will even like expedite your process and your journey. I mean, for me, I was trying everything from writing blog articles to writing, you know, 20 page sales letters to YouTube ad scripts and everything until eventually I was like, oh, okay, I really like writing a short form copy. And I like writing emails. So instead of saying, you know, instead of like wasting my time and trying to, you know, write more blog articles or other, another 20 page sales letter, it was like, okay, now I want to be an expert in writing like a good email. Um, and then after that, just being a bit patient with who you work with and building up your client base. So yeah, just be patient. I mean, you seem like a pretty flexible guy in that way, right? Like you're willing to say yes, cause you're willing to try different things out. And that's part of 
figuring out what you like and or might enjoy and getting to your your niche in this case, right? Or your niche, however you want. Are you a niche or a niche guy? Well, I think I say both. I say niche. You know, I'd like to throw niche. throw people throw people <laughs> off a little bit. So. It's like the business version of boxers or briefs, right? Oh niche, yeah, niche. You strike me as somebody who's pretty adaptable as well. Like I think this is one of the outstanding qualities of a lot of people that live for a long time out of the country or overseas and travel around. It's you're kind of willing to do whatever it takes to just keep traveling and keep yourself out there, right? Like you were willing to go to like the middle of Russia and to Siberia just to be somewhere else, just to have a different experience. In that way, you were just talking about saying yes. It's like a lot of traveling is just like saying yes to having a different experience, whatever it is. It's not like necessarily saying yes to, yes, I'm going to see the Eiffel Tower because I'm going to France. Yeah, like that's a site but like it's the experience you're going to have, right? How do you stay adaptable and flexible in that way? I mean, is traveling like the driving force for you for that? Yeah, I mean, my driving force is, you know, I think you said it earlier, it's just experiences. You know, I want to try and do different things, even if it's like absolutely weird, like going to the middle of Russia to teach English. Um, just to have the experience, right? Just to have the experience, you know, I think I even write in my journal a whole lot. It's just like I'm looking forward to having new experiences. Um, and that's that's kind of my driving force. You know, I, I like to have, you know, this kind of business and have this freedom just so I can do different things. You know, if I if I want to, you know, end my day with this podcast and go out and like, I don't know, drive to Vienna and go see something at the opera, then I think I can do that. I'm not going to. But it's like I think that'd be a crazy experience. And I think that's one of those things that's, uh, I don't know, probably has a lot to do with my upbringing, just kind of like circling back to that because I had a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of experiences with people in different backgrounds from going to different schools. And then, you know, I think my curiosity, unfortunately, to like, you know, drugs and things like that. But, you know, I guess it's, it was used, you know, I guess for good now, um, helping me build my lifestyle but yeah, I think experiences, I think that's just the most, that's always my driving force. I always want, even if it's like a crazy experience or just something as pleasant as like, you know, having a, having like a tea with like a neighbor down the street or something. It's like, it's all about the experience. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it sounds like you, you know, we're of the same mindset in, in the sense that one of the things we, and I'm referring to my business partner, Travis, so we have a community and, and other things. And we talk about like designing your lifestyle first. If you figure out what lifestyle you want, for a lot of us listening, you know, that's like more freedom to travel. Then it's like, all right, what can you create or what kind of business can you make or what job can you take or whatever that's going to allow you to live that lifestyle instead of like trying to squeeze it in around all the other, you know, some job and then you're like, all right, let me try to squeeze the things I love in around that kind of flipping it around. So you've gotten to explore your curiosity and travel and where has it taken you? Like what are some of the places that you've been that you've really enjoyed? How do you enjoy living out of your home country? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've been to, to 20, 25 places just are mostly in, in Europe. And I think some of my favorite places are like the weirder kind of, you know, I guess you're, you know, they're not like I, I love going to places like, you know, France and, uh, you know, Spain and places like that. But I really like the place like Slovakia. I thought that was really crazy because I was like, you know, anytime I, I'm in one of these like more, uh, I guess, not super touristy places, 
you know, there's not like you don't see a traveler everywhere you look. It's more like, oh man, what am I doing here? That's, that's always the mind, the thing in my head. I'm like, oh, I'm just a kid from Memphis. I'm having a goulash in like this Slovakian village right now. Like, you know, it's like I for me, I think those 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 are really those are really cool. Those are really cool. I like the I like the the more remote places. And I think even when I go to the the Frances or the Spains or Portugal's, it's like I really enjoy when it's super small and it's like, it's very, very, very chill, and it's almost it's almost remote. I think there's something there's a beauty in it for me that uh, I think is really cool. Like I was just watching like a you know a travel vlogger, I guess bald and bankrupt. I'm not sure if you're like a fan, but like uh, he go, he goes to like the most um, like remote places, um, mostly in like Russia and like uh, yeah, just like places that you would never think. Like you can't even find out on the map, and I I think. Yeah, I like his channel because he goes to these. I, I guess I, he's somebody I should have on the show, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think he's he's incredible. He's incredible. I'd be so – I want to be on the show if, if he's on the show too. But, All right, hey, you, you write me the email because you're the expert. Make make the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him how awesome this show was. And <laughs> yeah, I want to do that. I want to do that. But, yeah, I mean, for me, it's those smaller places, man. I think those are those are like my favorite places to travel, like really. Let's talk about Budapest a bit for those that uh, may want to visit uh, someday. Tell us maybe like your highlights or what you love about the city. Yeah, I mean, I think I do think about this like a good amount just because I still live in like the downtown. But you know, if you're like if you really want to have like a, a cool, very modern like experience going to the cafes and going to the bars and seeing cool sites, everything is super close. I mean, I haven't taken public transport. I haven't needed to take public transport in like such a long time. I mean, I've had to go, you know, to the post office to do like immigration stuff and things and that takes like that, you know, might have to get a taxi for that. But I mean, if I want to go get a really good dinner and then, you know, go get a drink with a friend and then go by the river to hang out, it's all like 15, 20 minutes away. And you, while you're doing that, everything around you is just absolutely stunning. The architecture here is amazing. Um, it's very walkable and people here are really fun. I mean, a lot of my friends are, are Hungarians and they also have like a bit of a, you know, wanderlust to them. So they're always interested in meeting new people. Plus there's new people here from, I mean, sorry, there's not new people. There's people here from everywhere. You know, it's a big expat, um, you know, nomad, you know, hub where, you know, a lot of people like me have like an online business yeah, I think five or six friends I can think on top of my head who, if I can, if I wanted to hit them up, they'd, they'd most they'd probably be working right now. But then also planning like their next trip, you know, whenever that would be. Um, but yeah, that's what I really like about it. I think it's just the beauty, the ease of it, and the diversity of people. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I've been there one time. This was back in the day when, uh, like, I showed up on the train and people come over with photo albums of different apartments that they rent out or that they own. I think I picked through a couple and then uh, somebody came over and I was like, oh, this apartment looks good. And then we just like <laughs> follow this random stranger off into the city and we kept getting further and further. I'm like, all right, is this legit? Like, <laughs> whatever. But she ended up taking us to some apartment and we stayed there like four or five nights and it was yeah. it was pretty nice. I don't know if people still roll like that over there. If Google's no, kind of taken over. That's definitely not. Definitely not. I think old the, school, man. Old that's, school. That's the old school. That's the old school. I think nowadays it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of 
in the summer, it's like taken over by like English bachelor parties, um, which which can be fun. And, you know, I sounds mean, different. Yeah, it's a bit different. You know, I had a friend here who he was living in another town in Hungary called Eger, teaching there. And anytime he would come to Budapest, he would make fun of all the Budapest people because he was like, "You guys don't live in Hungary. You live in like a in Brooklyn that doesn't speak the best English or something." Because you know, we were like <laughs> going to like a juice bar or something, and he's like. Yeah, these you guys aren't doing the real Hungary. I'm like, all right. Didn't think you were going to be an elitist about this. But yeah, things have definitely changed. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, man, I appreciate your time today. Stories and Copy is your website. Do you have any other places you want to share that people can check you out or feel free to? Yeah, yeah I mean, storiesandcopy.com is the place. It's my website. So you can just find me on there. I do have like two Instagrams and two Facebooks. So like there's... But they have like one personal and one business one. Um, they're like, they're just like literally the same name, um, except like the, the bios are different. So I guess just find me there and then I'll point you into the direction if you want to just see like my weird, like, uh, you know, travel photos and my life experiences or, you know, if you want to learn more about business, I'll point you in that direction. But yeah, just find me on any platform, give me a Google and yeah, we'll stay connected. Thank you so much, man. It's a pleasure. I hope that we can stay in touch. For sure. For sure. We're doing it. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you. There you go. Once again, thank you. Huge thank you to Francis for stopping by the show and sharing his story, just being so open and honest with his journey. And, and there's so much to learn from his journey, everybody's journey, really, which is why it's such a joy to host this show because I get to hear all of these different perspectives and, of course, share them with you and had some really wonderful takeaways from from this chat. So thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed it too, my friend. And uh, thank you once again for being a listener to this show. If you're new, welcome to the listening community, the caravan here. Uh, please subscribe. It's always a nice thing. It doesn't cost anything. And of course, we have a ton of content in the archives that you can dive into. So really excited to welcome new listeners. And of course, if you've been listening to the show before, thank you. And uh, welcome back. Thank you, everybody. Uh, of course, got a wonderful community vibe here. And as I mentioned at the top, you know, this is a community-powered show. I, I really do not see this show as, as my show. In the sense that I get to host it, that's a privilege, but uh, I, this is a platform for you, right? So I do my best to bring uh, different voices, perspectives, ideas into this show in, in terms of curating the interviews and the guests and things like that. But I need your help. And I always appreciate when people get in touch anyway. And if you have a guest recommendation, that's my call to action for you today. I want to thank Daniel for dropping me a line. Uh, he, he wrote me a message, an email the other day and said, hey, have you ever seen the show Race Across the World? It's a UK show similar to The Amazing Race, but with more cultural elements. It'd be cool if you could get some of the contestants from that show onto the podcast at some point. Signed, Dan. So I, I wrote back and uh, asked, hey, what specific people do you recommend? So he gave me a couple links to some of the contestants from that show. And uh, I appreciate that. So I'm going to add that to the to the list and see if that's somebody uh, we can bring on or we can bring on one of them at least. So these are the types of things that, you know, we do because this is community-based, right? 
So in order to do that, though, it has to be a two-way conversation. So I always invite you to get in touch. Jason at ZeroToTravel.com is my email. I'm on Twitter at ZeroToTravel, which I check every so often. But email is better. Or you can leave me a voice message, which uh, always makes my day, over at ZeroToTravel.com slash speak. There's a really easy way to do that. You just hit a button and record a 90-second voicemail. ZeroToTravel.com slash speak. So give me your guest recommendations. Again, thanks to Dan for uh, taking the time to to drop me a guest recommendation. I also want to say thanks to uh, somebody who wrote a kind review. And, and, and this is what I was saying at the top of the show. This is one of the, the, the best things I've ever gotten uh, in terms of a review or a comment from the community. Because uh, this is what the show is all about. So this was a five-star review on iTunes from World Traveler CC uh, with the title, Opening Travel for All. And the review says, this is a very great podcast. Jason has been opening the lens of travel that includes women and people of color. I really enjoyed the recent interview with Nanjala Niabola. Inclusion and broadening the world of travel is so important. Amplifying other cultures, talking about sustainability during travel, and giving a voice to others is what I appreciate the most on Jason's podcast. So just reading that gives me the chills. (laughs) Thank you so much because that is a, a real big huge intention behind this show, right? I mean, you can probably tell from from the content and, and if you've been listening, you, you know that. I mean, this is this is so important. I, I couldn't agree more with uh, what World Traveler CC said in regards to, you know, inclusion, broadening the world of travel, uh, being so important, you know, including uh, perspectives from everybody. So uh, I just wanted to say thank you, a, a deep heartfelt thanks for that review. That was one of the best things I've, I've ever received in terms of uh, feedback and uh, reviews and all that. So thank you. And, you know, these reviews always make my day. If you've been listening for a while and you want to make my day, you can always jump on and leave a review for the podcast. Helps get the show out there to more people too, which helps more people travel. So you'll be paying it forward and doing your part a bit. I'm not going to beg for it. <laughs> I'm just saying it makes my day. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Anyway. Thank you to everybody who's taken the time to reach out and get in touch and please continue to do so. And let's keep this conversation going as we help each other uh, through these crazy times and keeping our travel dreams alive. You know, one of the things before I let you go, I will grab a quote out of the quote drawer here to send you on the way. This will be a random quote. I have no idea what I'm going to pull out. But uh, before I do that, uh, you know, one of the things we talked about in the interview was uh, this idea of, uh, you know, Francis was was talking about how, you know, even the most extreme circumstances at first uh, seem so different and crazy, but then it, it sort of becomes the new normal quickly. And I feel like that's what's happened to a lot of us during this this time. At first, it was sort of shocking and everything was, uh, we didn't know where the world was going. We still don't in many ways. But a lot of people working from home, a lot of people not traveling when they normally do, not seeing our friends, not going to social events, all of these things was just such a, a crazy sort of thing to take in all at once. But then I feel like everybody in, in, in some way adjusted to that new normal pretty quickly. And I think there's a lesson in that. And that is whatever it is you want to do, right? If, if it's a taking off after this whole pandemic ends or whatever and doing a long-term trip or, you know, quitting your job to travel or, you know, some of these big types of life decisions, there can be a lot of fear and uncertainty around that. And we have to just remember, hey, look what we're living through 
right now, right? And we're, we're able to adjust. We're able to adapt. Maybe we're, we're more flexible and adaptable than we think we are. And we can see that just through life experience and seeing how quickly we've, we've adapted to this new normal, right? I'm not saying it's always fun, but we can do it. And that means we can do it in other aspects of our life as well. So maybe one uh, little silver lining lesson coming out of this pandemic time is to just remember, hey, we are adaptable. We are flexible. Things might seem crazy at first, but then they settle down and we get used to them and we continue to live our lives. And, you know, that can we can take as an empowering lesson, I think, and apply that to other things that uh, we might want to do coming out of this or maybe before coming out of this. So anyway, uh, it was just a thought that I wanted to share with you before I let you go. Now I am going to reach into this quote drawer. I'm pulling out one, I guess, from Buddha who said, save and make free everyone you encounter. Help them attain the wisdom of the way. There you go. Smile. Take a deep breath. Let it out. Enjoy the rest of your day. You're awesome. I'll see you next time. Peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 